Good morning again. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 13. And if you don't have a Bible, there should be one there in the front uh, of your pew. So I'll give you a few minutes to ch find Hebrews chapter 13. Of course, we've been in Hebrews for quite a while now. I think I've counted 29 messages so far in Hebrews. And you might think, well, he said the last chapter, we're going to go a little bit faster and get finished. But it didn't work out that way. I got stuck on this very first verse of chapter 13, and so we're gonna talk quite a bit about let brotherly love continue and exactly what that means, what it means for our church, what it means for our country and our nation as well, because uh, God is a God of love, right? Amen? He is a God of love, and so we want to be like him as well. So. The book of Hebrews, if you were to title it in a kind of a humorous way, it's kind of has a title about the, the Jews don't even think about going back to Judaism, right? That's kind of what the whole theme is. There's a group of people whom this letter is written to, and they, at least a part of them, are thinking about reverting from Christianity back to Judaism. And we've gone through all the different reasons of why they might want to do that. Persecution is one of them. Uh, their conscience might be another one. They're used to sacrifices and giving those sacrifices in such a way that it kind of temporarily cleansed their conscience of their sin. But we found out that, secondly, the book of Hebrews is about how much Jesus is better and how there's no reason to go back, that Jesus provides us with everything that we need for our salvation, and he is a great and awesome and mighty God. And so we found out that Jesus is better than the Old Testament prophets. We found out that he is better than even the mighty angels. He's better than the prophet Moses. He offers a superior rest than Joshua, Joshua was able to offer in, uh, in the wilderness. He provides a better priesthood. He is a priest after the order of Melchizedek and not like the Levite priest who died and could no longer fulfill their office. He is a better sacrifice and there is a better tabernacle in heaven than the one represented on earth. And so for all of those various reasons, the author of the book of Hebrews says, there's no reason for you to go back. It is much better for you to go on with Jesus and he gives us several different uh, examples in Hebrews chapter 11 of Old Testament prophets and Old Testament characters who demonstrated that they had a persevering type of faith. And that's really what the author is trying to get at, is that we need to have a persevering type of faith, a faith that continues on until the end of our very life. And he says we do this by running a marathon, so to speak, that we are to follow after Jesus and follow his example. And so he tells us to lift up our drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees because sometimes we need those words of encouragement, right? We need to be encouraged and, and bolstered in our faith. He tells us to lift up our drooping hands and he tells us to pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And then last week, just last week, we talked about two different approaches to God. One, of course, was the Old Testament covenant, the sacrifices, the temple, the Levitical law, 
which really was no approach to God at all. It really only shows us our need for the second approach, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus in every way is superior to the Old Testament law, the Old Testament sacrificial system. Amen? Can I get an amen on that? He is superior. He provides everything we need. If there's a need that you have here today, he can provide that need. If you have a spiritual need, if you have a need of salvation, he can give you salvation today when you place your faith and your trust in him. He provides a contentment that the world cannot provide. Amen. I've been a part of that. <laughs> I've, been, I've been a part of that in my life, trying to find contentment in the world. Uh, sometimes it's through buying stuff. You think that buying stuff is going to get, bring you contentment. But ultimately it doesn't, it's just going to fade away. Only Jesus is going to last for eternity. And so that brings us to our scripture today. We're actually going to read verses one through six, but like I said, we're gonna focus almost entirely on that very first little bitty verse as we talk about letting brotherly love continue. So let's go ahead and stand for at least these six verses. We'll get the context of the verse and then we'll go back to chapter or verse number one. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you are also in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my help, helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much once again for your word that you have given us here today. Even this short section is amazing. Uh, just the amount of information that is there and the amount of encouragement that is there for us. And we pray that you would help us to have understanding of these verses and in particular, the very first verse today. And not only understanding, but that you would give us wisdom as to how we can love those who are around us and especially love those who are within the church. Teach us to have compassion on all that we come into contact with just as Jesus was compassionate to everyone that he met. And we ask all these things in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. So today's message is a relatively easy one, maybe a short one too. Maybe this will be a short message, I'm not sure. But the message simply today is let brotherly love continue. Let brotherly love continue. That's the message that was given to the people in the book of Hebrews, but it's also a message for us today, right? We can yes. certainly say that we need to let brotherly love continue. And you might ask, well, why does he give this particular warning almost or commandment really is what it is. And I think he, he gives that because there is a real danger in their life of people drifting away from the faith because of persecution and suffering and causing a splinter or a, flat, or a fracture in the brotherly love of the local church. And the love in the local church is so important, isn't it? I mean, that's one reason why we gather here. We gather primarily to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, but we also gather here together 
because of the common bond of love that we have with e with each other each other therefore the book of the author of the book of hebrews commands them to let brotherly love continue in other words don't drift off if part of you drift off then the love of the church is going to be splintered and fractured and that's not going to do anything good for the church or for the world as well and so this term brotherly love we only have what four words in this verse that we're talking about and actually brotherly love comes from one word in the greek and that anybody know what that what that word is philadelphia philadelphia is a greek word and philadelphia of course is known as the city of brotherly love but it is also a greek word and it means brotherly love city of or brotherly love it comes from the greek word philadelphia it literally means those who are born of the same womb so if we are to have brotherly love for one another one of the reasons is that we are from the same womb now we literally are not from the same womb but for us it means that we are those who are born of the same holy spirit amen we are all born of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit plays an instrumental part in our salvation. He is the one who draws us to Christ. He is the one who woos us into that relationship. And those who have been born again of the Holy Spirit, it's as though they were born of the same womb. We have this in common, the Holy Spirit in common. And it's only natural in a spiritual way that we love each other as brothers sisters would love each other within the family have you ever noticed and this happened even just last night but wherever you go where there are brothers and sisters in christ we have a common bond we have in common the lord jesus christ the holy spirit i know we felt that last night there were people there that chris and i both said we we have no idea who they were or where they came from they didn't appear to come from Noble or at least any of the churches that we know of. And yet there was a common bond between us and them. It was the bond of being brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. We could say the same thing about Argentina, right? Those of us who went to Argentina just a couple years ago, we went to Argentina, we met Christians down there. Even though they spoke a different language, even though they have a different culture, we still felt a common bond. Same thing at the Baptist Children's Home Fall Festival, right? Yes. We go there and we see people, many of them we know, some of them we don't know, a lot of them we don't know, but there's a common bond between us and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. We're all part of the same family. Even though we're not parts of the same local church, we are part of the universal church of Jesus Christ. And so that binds us together as a family. And make no mistake, this is a real family. This is a real family. It is not an artificial family. It's not a symbolic family. It is a real, true family. And this family is formed by an unbreakable union through the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as we are united with Christ and, ca and cannot be separated from him, so we have an unbreakable union between our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so this is a love that binds us together 
as brothers and sisters in Christ, and it's holding each other deeply within our hearts. It should be that, right? It should be that. We're working toward that, right? Holding each other deeply in our hearts. This love means that we have a deep affection for each other, and we love to be together. <laughs> I hope that is true. We love to be together, and we enjoy each other's company. We desire to nourish and nurture each other. That's what a church is about, right? We come to know Christ, and we begin this walk as kind of babes in Christ, and our goal is to go on to maturity, and we do that by meeting together with each other, right? Experiencing Sunday school together, experiencing events like last night together, this worship service, all of them help us to nurture and to nourish one another so that we might mature and become more Christ-like. We obviously have concern for each other and we look out for each other. We look out for each other. And so sometimes we may see a brother or sister going astray, going in the wrong direction. Do we not say anything? I think we should say something. Not in a judgmental type of way, but as a brother and sister in Christ, as you had a uh, physically physical brother or sister in Christ, you would certainly warn them if they were headed in the wrong direction. And so we do that as well because we have a concern for one another. And then also part of this brotherly love is that we have joined in a common purpose and that purpose is to fulfill the Great Commission. So that all those things tend to bind us together in love. And so brotherly love must continue. He's in very emphatic in that. Even though it's a short little sentence, brotherly love must continue. It must continue because our love for one another is the most visible demonstration to unbelievers that we are Jesus Christ's disciples. Did you know that? It's the most visible sign. Our love for one another, how we treat one another, is the most visible sign given to unbelievers that we are Jesus Christ's disciples. Uh, Jesus put it this way, John 13, 34 and 35. He said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to one love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's just a fantastic promise and it's a challenge as well, right? We know, we know that we are imperfect people. We know that we can let other people down at times. We know that we can not be as loving as what we should be. And so thank God there's forgiveness and repentance that we can uh, take those sins and take them before the Lord. But we, we definitely need to love one another so that people out there have an idea of what God's love is for them. Jesus says very clearly, he said, this is my commandment that you love one another that I have loved you. In John 15, 17, he says, these things I command you so that you will love one another. 
1 John 5, 1, everyone who believes that Jesus Christ has born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. So it's clear that within the body of Christ, we are asked and we are commanded to love one another and that love should continue, even through persecution, even through difficult times. Brotherly love must continue so that our witness for Christ continue to be effectively, so that brotherly love must continue so that our witness for Christ can continue to effectively demonstrate how God loves us and how God loves the world. Just in Hebrews itself, back at chapter 6, verse 10, it says, For God is not unjust to overlook your work and the love you have been shown in his name, for his name and serving the saints as you do. And then just a couple weeks ago, we read this verse, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is a habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing, as you see the day drawing near. You see it all fits together. The Bible all fits together, it's consistent in teaching us that we should love one another. And so what is love? <laughs> what does it mean to love? If you ask the world, you get a lot of different answers, right? I mean, love has a lot of different connotations. Some are scriptural, others are not scriptural. But I suppose you're only interested in what the Bible has to say today. So that's what we're gonna stick with is a biblical description of what, God, of what love is. We could go with the, with the verse that God is love. That's true, right? God is love, it's a reflection of his character. But there's a chapter in the Bible that we all know, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that speaks loudly about what God is like. And it gives us a definition of love by example of what love is like. And so I'd like to read that for you. It's verses one through 13, and you don't have to turn there, just follow along as I read these things as a description of what love is and what it is not. This is Paul writing. We know who's writing this. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but not have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect come, the partial will pass away. 
When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I re reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now hope and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And so here we find a definition of, or at least a demonstration of what love is and sometimes what love is not. First of all, love is not doing things and doing different activities, even great things, if it's done without love or no value to anyone, right? That's what it says in those first three verses. If he speaks in tongues or if we speak in tongues of angels, but we don't have love, I'm like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith so as to move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And if I give away everything that I have and deliver it up to anybody to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And we've talked about this many, many times about the motives of our heart and how important those things are. We cannot substitute our busyness, our activities as acts of love unless they truly are coming from the heart. So we have to be careful how we do things and what we do to make sure that we are doing them from a right attitude. We have to be in sync with God and in sync with his heart as well. So activity is not just a is not activity alone is not a sign of loving someone, but has to be come from the from the heart. It says that love is patient. I have trouble with patience sometimes. <laughs> Anyone have trouble with patience sometimes? I have trouble with patience sometimes, but to be patient is to be loving. I think of the, another word in the Bible that's sometimes used in place of patience, and that's long-suffering. And the Lord is termed as being long-suffering toward us. In other words, what that means is that we continue to sin and do things against his will, but he's long-suffering. He's merciful until we see the error of our ways and we'll come to him. He's patient with us. Aren't you thankful today for God's patience? Amen. And shouldn't we be patient to those who are within our church in the same way? Not everyone progresses at the same rate in the Christian life. And we have to be patient with those who don't, who go faster than us. <laughs> love is kind. Simple words, right? But love is kind. Showing acts of kindness to people is a way to love them if it's truly from the heart. Love does not boast or envy. It's not arrogant. One time I told you the story, I know I've told you this before, but we went to an infuge event, which is a missionary uh, kind of youth uh, camp. And one of our track leaders, the very first thing, very first time we met, this was a week long camp, said, gave everyone a, a uh, permanent marker and said, I want you to write on the back of your hand, it's not about me. It's not about me. And 
the question was, well, what's not about me? This whole week at camp is not about you. It's about those whom you are going to have an opportunity to serve. So don't make it about you. Don't bring the focus to you. Love always shines the focus on someone else. And, and in, in many ways, I think of the Holy Spirit in this sense. The Holy Spirit has to be the most humble <laughs> person that there is because all he does is shine the light on Jesus Christ and draw people to him. In the same way, we need to be loving and kind to others and not arrogant. The attitude needs to be about others and not ourselves. Love is not rude. I think we all know that. It's not good in the church to be rude. I don't think anyone here has a rude temperament, but this is what the scripture says, not to be rude. Doesn't insist on its own way. In other words, it's not selfish. It is so easy for us to want to insist on our own way. I was trying to think of an example of this, and the only example I could come up with is that recently in our business meeting, which is a gathering of our family, right? It's a gathering of our family to talk about family business. But in, in that meeting, we passed a budget. We passed a budget for, I think, the first time this church has ever really had a budget. We passed a budget. And we did that as a church, right? So I assume that as a church, we are going to follow that, try to best of our knowledge to follow that budget. But it wouldn't work out, would it, if someone insisted on their own way and said, I'm just going to spend money like I always have, and I'm going to spend it the way I've always I always have. Do you see how that would be insisting on your own way? I, I think that the scripture is clear that we are not to insist on our own way. Now, does that mean, mean we never give our opinion or have strong feelings about one way or the other? Absolutely not. If you've been to some of our business meetings, there have been some very strong opinions voiced. And we want it that way, right? Yes. We want it that way. But when all said and done as a church, we come together. Love is not irritable or resentful. Man, scripture's hard, isn't it? It is hard. That's why God isn't finished with us yet, right? There, it says in John also there'll come a time where love will be perfected in us, but right now love has not been perfected in us. And so we have difficulty when we read absolute statements like this, we have difficulty. But let me just tell you, God is not finished with you yet. He's still working on all of us and he is conforming us truly into the image of Christ. And that will be completed one day when we see Christ face to face. But until then, we work on not being irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. I'm so glad this one is in here. <laughs> because love is not mean. Do whatever makes you happy, which is what the world would tell you. If you love someone, the world will say, well, that means you do what, whatever will make them happy. You never say a negative word to them or try to correct them in any way. But 
Scripture also says that we are to speak the truth in love. We are to grow up every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So there is a time where love is speaking the truth to someone, not in a judgmental way or a condemning way, but in love going to that person and saying, you know, can I help you in this area? Love bears all things. We put up with differences that sometimes drive us crazy, right? <laughs> Love bears all things. We put up with things. We're patient. And uh, we're coming together, but we haven't done that yet. Love believes all things. I looked at commentary on this, and it, the best that I could come up with this is that love believes the best of others. It believes the best. Have you ever been in a, in a situation where someone said something and you weren't exactly sure how they said it, but you could take it in a good way or you could take it in a bad way? Yeah. Love believes the best of others. So let's have a thick skin, so to speak, and when someone says something that might upset us, Let's make sure where, what they're really saying because more than likely, they love you as part of this family. They're, do, they're trying to say something that is for your good. Love hopes all things. Love hopes the best for others as well. We don't wish ill on anyone, but we wish and hope for the best. Love endures all things and love never ends. Amen. So we are to let brotherly love continue in the church, especially at freedom. <coughs> and so can we love that way? Yes. <laughs> I think we can with the power of the Holy Spirit, not in ourselves, right? But in the power of the Spirit, he's calling us to love our church in that way. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer. And if this message has spoken to you, feel free to respond how God is leading you to respond. If you're here today and you've never received Christ as your savior, I would be happy to talk to you after the service about what that means. Basically, it means that you have recognized that you have sinned against God and that you need to be saved from a penalty that God says is a place called hell. And we want no one to go there. I don't believe God wants anyone to go there but people will go there when they reject God and turn the other way and sin against him. The amazing thing about grace that we spoke about earlier is that God provided a way where we can avoid sin and that is through the cross of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for our sins in such a way that when we believe and trust in him, we can have eternal life. And of course we know that he has eternal life because he rose from the dead on the third day. That is the gift that we are offering to you today. It's a gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And we pray that you would take advantage of that today. Father, thank you so much for this time that we've had. Thank you for this one little verse which holds so much meaning for us. And we thank you that you have given your word that's given us a description, a demonstration of what love is, is like. And you have also given us a demonstration through your son Jesus of what? love is like, a willingness to sacrifice 
ourselves for the good of others. And so help us to remember that. Help us through the power of your Holy Spirit to love each other as you have loved us so that the world may know that we are your followers. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.